All right, so let's let's do yeah. this. Yeah. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello? Hello. 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 How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm okay. Sorry, I'm so late. That's totally okay. lost track of time. Things happen. It's a Sunday morning. <laughs> not, not doing anything important. I was just playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is all. That is pretty important, I think. I'd even been keeping a close eye on the time until about 10.30. And then next thing I knew, it was 11.15. And I was like, oops, that's okay. I'm 15 minutes late for recording. That gave me time to rewatch the episode, which for some reason, even though I watched two days ago, I remembered about half of. So It wasn't a very memorable episode. Yeah, yeah fair. That might have to do with it. Yeah. I like that your name is Milton Green. I've had that song about donating kidneys stuck in my head since the last episode me too me too (laughs) very very stuck yes yes thanks for that i'll blame you since that drop was your idea no problem (laughs) i blame tina fey for creating 30 rock fair and things that get stuck in your head even when they're not songs true although the songs are really catchy they are. Yeah. The uh, the balls song came in my head the other day. <laughs> I love Muffin Top and Muffin Top is pretty great. Yep. Absolutely. Werewolf for Mitzvah. <laughs> Spooky ski. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That has nothing to do with SG one or this episode. No, indeed, it does not. But it is entertaining. Very so you were supposed to go camping, huh? Oh, yeah. That didn't happen because here in Connecticut, it is very rainy and thunderstormy. So sure is. We canceled because it's one thing if there's a passing storm, but there were a lot of storms. There was a bunch of storms on. So it's Sunday now. There was a bunch of storms on Friday when we were supposed to leave. And then yesterday was disgusting and hot. And then the storms started today around like 2 a.m., and like based on the forecast, we're like, well, by the time on Sunday that we're packing up, we're going to be packing up in the middle of a thunderstorm. So it's a good thing we didn't go because, yeah, it was torrential downpours around yeah. the time that we would have been leaving yeah. the campground. And that's not fun and not particularly safe to be packing up your campsite in no. a thunderstorm either. So Traveling is iffy, too. We had some flash flood warnings as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that part of the state that we were going to we we're just going to stay here in Connecticut, but the part of the state that we were going to go to is like on a lake and had some flash flood issues in the last round of storms. So probably for the best, we didn't go. Good call. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I just barely escaped a thunderstorm when I was out on my run on Friday morning. Oh, geez. It was very rumbly and grumbly out. I could have stopped at Jeff's parents' house because they're only a couple miles from here. But, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to. I am sweaty and disgusting and gross, and I don't want to inflict my horrible self on them, so I'm going to try to make it home. And I did make it home, like, just in time. There was lightning directly overhead and, like, a ridiculously loud peal of thunder immediately afterwards. So it was, like, right overhead as I got to the front of my house. So I sprinted up the driveway because that startled the crap out of me because <laughs> it was, like, mostly distant rumbles up until that point. Yeah. So I sprinted up the driveway, got inside, and then it switched from the light drizzle that it had been to 
just a downpour as soon as I got in. I was like, that was very good time. Yeah. <laughs> but I would have felt bad inflicting my smelly grossness on Jeff's parents. So Aww. I'm glad I made it home. I'm sure they're used to smelly grossness. This is true. That <laughs> Jeff's dad being the <laughs> avid runner that he had been. Yeah. <laughs> For a very long time. Although it is when you're un- when you get unexpected smelly grossness, I guess that's different. True. I texted them to ask if they oh. were going to be around if <laughs> okay. the storm got too bad, and they said I was welcome to come over despite my grossness. But then I was like, thanks, but I think I'll still seems it seemed like it was still because I was running almost right by their house anyway. I was running by their street, so I was like within yeah. a half mile of their house, even on my way home. So I was like, all right, well. Less than two miles to go to my house, so I think I'll chance it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, kudos to you for running in this humidity, because it's been disgusting. Yeah, it has been pretty I don't even want to leave my house ever. Yeah, well, I try to get out earlier in the day when it's at least less hot, and then my shorter runs I do on the treadmill. I'm only outside for two runs a week, the two longer ones that I've been doing. It's too gross right now. It's so gross. It is very gross. (laughs) Yesterday was particularly... And I didn't even leave the house until... Like five o'clock, no, seven o'clock last night to go see uh, my mom's friend. And I was like, this is so awful. And it's yeah. nighttime and this is terrible. And I want to go back to my air conditioning now. Yeah. I suppose it could be worse because most of the country is under like severe heat warnings with triple digit temperatures. And thankfully, yeah. we're not typically getting much above 90. We've definitely yeah. had some days in the 90s, but we haven't gotten to triple digits yet this true, year, which true. is good. And I hope it stays that way. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. This has nothing to do with this episode either. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Don't you love when we talk about the weather in detail? Doesn't, doesn't everyone love hearing about the weather in Connecticut in the United States? Doesn't everybody? Yeah. I, bet, I bet our overseas friends are especially loving our <laughs> weather updates (laughs) sorry people we'll move on (laughs) to this episode which i have no segue for so what are we talking about today uh today we are going to talk about stargate sg1 season 6 episode 21 prophecy indeed and it starts with a recap cassandra can make chess pieces float it's very thrilling Hoktar means advanced human. Nirti wants to use one as a host. Wodan has matrix bullet stopping powers. Jonas is special from his time off Earth. And Nirti has a crush on him. <laughs> and recap. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> You'd think that they would have included that Nirti then died at the end of that episode, but they didn't. No, they didn't. It was weird. Yeah. But whatever. Then we start the episode. Yes. On a planet, not Earth. There are a bunch of black tents, and then we see some structures or, I don't know, there's a whole mining operation, basically, is what we're seeing. SG-1 is visiting these people who have been mining Naquita, apparently for the greater glory of Ball, for many centuries now. Jack is unimpressed by the food that they've been offered. But that's okay. That has nothing to do with anything. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's just being kind of rude, but trying not to be rude. He's yeah. trying to hide his disgust, but not very hard. Yeah, yeah. He's clearly not eating any of his food. His plate is full. Yeah, he's just looking at it <laughs> with disgust. But then it's like, oh, it's, it looks delicious. It turns out that Ball himself has not been to this planet in at least 100 years 
because there was no Nakoda, but the leader guy, Ellery, mm-hmm. says that there's still some around and that Lord Mott, <laughs> who is an emissary of balls, has been coming to collect what they do get out of the ground. I just kept thinking about applesauce every time they mentioned this I guy's know. name. <laughs> I got the Mott. For anyone that doesn't know that's not from around here, Mott's makes applesauce. It's a brand of applesauce. <laughs> Yo, Jonas, I got the Mott. Okay. <laughs> fine, fine. I just wanted applesauce. Definitely not commercials from like the 80s or 90s. Anyway. <laughs> I like applesauce. I do like applesauce. It's tasty. It is. My brother's been super into the Mott's cherry applesauce, yeah, but yeah. it has been extremely scarce the last several months. Really? Yeah, we've not been able to find it. I tried some of their other fruit-flavored applesauces, but I'm an applesauce purist. I mean, the other ones were fine, but if I'm going to be eating applesauce, I'd rather just eat applesauce. Fair, fair. I mean, he's made his peace with it. For a while, he was trying to like add cherries in and stuff, mm. but it wasn't the same. He liked it because there was no sugar added to the cherry one, and yeah, none of the nice. other fruit ones were adequate, so... Fair. Definitely the no sugar added option is better. Yeah. Because then it's actually relatively healthy. Indeed. Yeah. Still not as healthy as an actual apple, though, since it doesn't have the peels, and the peels have vitamins and fiber and yeah, stuff in them. Yeah, yeah. They're not eating apples, though. They're talking nope. about Lord Mott. Yep. Jonas, however, seems to be not well. He's just kind of looking like... A little ill. Jonas chalks it up to he's a little hot. Just like all of us here. Yeah, yeah. In the US. <laughs> <laughs> they go on with their conversation about Mott. He's coming in 12 days. This other guy with him, Chazin. So Ellery doesn't seem very impressed with the gold anymore, and Chazin is like, I'm totally into them still. Then we see Jonas have a vision of Chazin calling. Ellery, an old fool, they continue their conversation, and then he says the same thing that Jonas just saw in his what? vision. Ah! Is it just me, or did Ellery look a little bit like Christopher Lloyd? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Not, not quite as uh, surprised eyes, crazy hair, but. <laughs> yeah. They had some similar features. Yeah, yeah. Ellery also tells them all that there was an ancient prophecy that one day strangers would come through the Chapa Eye and slay their gods and free their people. And now here you are, SG-1. No pressure. (laughs) That's when Chazin repeats what he said in Jonas's vision. And Jonas is like really about to go. He says he needs some air. And then he tries to get up and just collapses. Convenient that that pile of cloth and whatnot was there yeah. for him to have a nice cushioned landing. You notice he's not passing out, passing out. Like, his eyes are open. I'm not really sure what that was all about, but that was multiple times this episode. He was just, like, eyes yeah. open. Yeah. Eyes open there. seizures. Yeah. More so than passing out. Yeah. That's the end of the first scene. Then yes. we get credits. Credits. And then, of course, after credits, we're in the infirmary and... Everybody is there. Frazier's saying that Jonas seems to be in perfect health, at least according to her preliminary tests. She has them all look at his MRI scan and says that she really 
doesn't see anything wrong. There is a little bit of unusual brain activity in one particular area that she points at. She doesn't have an explanation for it, but she doesn't know if it has anything to do with what happened on the planet. Jonas thinks that they're making way too big of a deal about it, that it was just a dizzy spell and it was probably the gross food. He's the only one who probably ate all the food because right? it's Jonas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because eating is what he does. And also he wants to be polite. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case, though, Fraser's going to do a couple extra follow-up exams. Then they're in the briefing room talking about the mission specifically that they were on. Sam says that Toker Intelligence tells them that Ball has not been there in 100 years and they have not actually any knowledge of Ball receiving any of the Nakoda that's still coming from the planet. They think Mott, perhaps, is keeping it for himself for some reason. Greedy. I know. Jonas says that Mott is the Canaanite god of death. And applesauce. And applesauce. But not deathly applesauce. (laughs) No. Unless they use the poison apples from Snow White. Uh, Could be. Yeah. I don't know. I have never died by eating Mott's applesauce, though. Me either. I'm going to assume that it's fine. (laughs) Mythology, he says, tells them that he was defeated by Ball and forced to live in the underworld. And I did look it up a little bit. There were some Ugaritic texts. Ugarite was a city in like Syria. Um, The texts were discovered in the 1920s. And they basically, I think it's called the Ball Cycle, is a bunch of stories about Ball. In relation to Mott, it seems like the text wasn't 100% intact, at least from what I was reading. There were gaps in the story, but basically Mott wanted to kill Ball, so Ball faked his death, it seems like, Hmm. and made Mott think that he had died, and then someone else killed Mott, but then Ball came back, and then suddenly Mott also came back, but then Mott decided it wasn't worth it to challenge Ball, (laughs) so he just served him. (laughs) was basically what I got out of that. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that story. (laughs) Interesting. There's a few references to Baal in the the Old Testament, because I've been reading the Bible out of curiosity. Ah, nice. To see why everyone loves it so much. I haven't figured out why yet. (laughs) (laughs) No offense to anybody. (laughs) I am not impressed. But they mentioned Baal in there many times as a an alternate deity that people worship. Interesting. Okay. Instead of the god of the Christians and Jewish people and Muslim people. Cool, cool. Who is all the same god. Yeah. Since all three use the Old Testament. Yeah. Anyway, that's beside the point. So, yeah. This ball and this Mott, though, they think that Mott is maybe stockpiling the Nakwita because he's going to move against him or against him. Against him. I don't know. Teal was saying against in a very, like... Against. Against, yeah. He's he's yeah. a bit of a fancy talker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no contractions. Yeah. Alternate pronunciations yeah. of words. <laughs> they think that perhaps this is their one and only opportunity they'll have to free these people if that is the case. If Ball doesn't know what's going on and Mott hasn't made his move yet. So if they are able to free them, probably no one else is going to come and enslave them instead, since they think the planet is worthless. Hammond asks if they asked for help. <laughs> Jack's like, that's a valid question. Not exactly. <laughs> but Sam said they hinted that they don't believe the gold are gods. 
Well, that guy Ellery seems to be yeah. expecting their help without having to directly ask for yeah. it. He's like, that's why you're here, right? Obviously the prophecy. Because <laughs> of the prophecy. Jack says they need more intel. Then Jonas has another vision, and this time it's him holding a notebook and then seeing Sam come in and ask if he wants to go get some Mexican for lunch. Yum. Yeah. Basically, that's the end of that scene. They break for finding more information slash getting permission from the Pentagon to do anything. Then we are in Jonas's office, and he picks up a notebook, the same notebook that was in his vision, and then Sam comes in and asks if he wants to get some lunch because it's Mexican today. (laughs) Jonas tells her about the visions that he's been having and that he knew she was going to say that. And she explains to him the concept of deja vu as though he's a child. She's like, it's normal. It's said to be split second delay in sense perception. It's called deja vu. But like he would, they would have a concept like that on their planet. Yeah. I'm sure. So I don't really know why she was talking to him that way. I thought it was weird. Anyway, (laughs) Jonas says that it's different than deja vu because obviously he knows what deja vu is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He says he literally saw something and then it happened. And then he passed out. Now it's happened twice. Yeah. And Sam's a little concerned. They've been doing more tests on Jonas. Dr. Fraser goes to see Hammond to tell him he, they've done a second MRI. She does not think whatever's going on with Jonas has anything to do with his nequadria exposure. Don't worry. He's not going to be schizophrenic. Well, that's good at least. Yeah. She then says, though, that there is a small spot on the MRI that she's worried about. She doesn't know what it is. It could be a tumor. And possibly it caused him to pass out. And maybe you take uh, Jonas off active duty because he's just passing out at random? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Might be a good idea. And then in Jonas's office, Jonas is for some reason angry that he's being taken (laughs) off of active duty despite the fact that he's getting dizzy spells, premonitions, and fainting. And he's like, well, it's got to be something else going on. It's got to have to do with the thing she saw on the MRI. I don't really know where he was going with that, but whatever. I don't know. I said to him in my head, Daniel's coming back. Just accept you're going to be written off the show. (laughs) But maybe that was premature. (laughs) Fair. He reminds everybody of when... He was seeing the out-of-phase alien creatures that turned out to be real when everyone else got infected by that weird device thing that allowed them to see extra-dimensional bugs. And Jack's like, yeah, but now you're seeing things before they happen. That's not the same thing. Jack essentially implies that he wants Jonas to tell him what's for lunch. Don't we already know that it's Mexican Mexican, yeah. (laughs) But Jonas is like, no, I can't control it. It's just flashes. Tilk says... That they have not met anybody that can predict the future in all of the weird things that have happened to them. Have they forgotten about when they were stuck in the Groundhog Day situation, though? And they knew what was going... Like, Tilk and Jack both were able to predict the future, and that's what... True. First hinted to them that there was something wrong, (laughs) and then it turned out they were stuck in that time loop. But whatever, we're going to completely ignore that. Yeah. Yeah. Jonas... Is having another dizzy spell and kind of staring into space. He tells everyone the Togra are coming and then an unscheduled incoming traveler alarm goes off. And he says that the person's name is Sina. And then we meet Sina of the Togra. We do. In the briefing room. Jonas was right. Yes. 
Jonas was right. Cena is there to talk more about Ball. They all look freaked out when Hammond introduces her. Which I thought yes. was very amusing because it wasn't just Jack. But Jack continues to like give her weird looks as they go to sit down. Yes. Cena is there to report that Lord Yu has beaten Ball in a recent military skirmish, we'll say. Yeah. And Anubis is real mad about it. <laughs> they are impressed with Yu's ability to resist Anubis. Jack says, you go you. Apparently, Ball was supposed to crush you in this battle, but you escaped and also dealt him some heavy losses. So, oops. Teal concludes Ball is in a vulnerable position, and maybe it's time for Mott to make his move. And if he does do that, then the planet with the Nakoda is no longer going to be somewhere they can free people because they'll put a garrison on the planet. Because it has Nakoda. So they've got to help them now. Or else they'll lose their chance. Which is kind of what they'd already said before. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> so confirmation, I guess. And then in Jonas's lab, Jonas has a headache. Sam comes in and is concerned for his health. But then also wants to know how Jonas could have known about Cena. And Jonas is like, well, I can't explain it. It's like I said, I've been having flashes of things that haven't happened yet. And then they happen. Sam confirms that they haven't found any aliens that have precognitive abilities yet, just some other psychic powers like on P3X367. And the situation with Cassandra as well. They talk about Wooden, Eager, and Cassandra. And potentially Nirti had something to do with this. Jonas says he was in the gene splicing machine for over an hour. What if she did something to him? So question there. Yes. They fixed Sam. Yeah. Why wouldn't they have fixed everybody who went through that machine before they left? That is a good question. Seemed weird. Maybe they thought that they that she didn't do anything to him because he had no symptoms like everyone else did. Maybe. And maybe he didn't say anything about it because he's Jonas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Fine yeah. all the time. Everything's fine. Don't replace me with... with no. My predecessor. Look, I got a <laughs> banana in my pocket. Because <laughs> I've got a banana in my pocket. Everyone loves a banana. Right? How could you not? <laughs> Fraser did yet another MRI on Jonas. She's reporting that this is a tumor not made up of cancer cells. She's not sure what it is, but it is growing. She's never seen anything like it. And she recommends immediate surgery so he doesn't die. That's probably a good option then. Yeah. <laughs> Later in the briefing room, Fraser says she's called in a neurosurgeon, so she's not going to do all of the surgeries. That's probably good because <laughs> neurosurgery, I think, is probably more difficult than a lot of general surgeries like appendix removal and whatnot. But anyway, Dr. Sandy Van Densen is supposedly the best there is. Jonas isn't convinced that he needs surgery, though, and Fraser's like, mm, yeah, but you're wrong, so <laughs> maybe have surgery because you're going to die otherwise. They basically recap the conversation that Sam and Jonas had about the possibility that Nirti was trying to turn him into a Hoktar, the same way that she was trying to turn a bunch of other people into that, so maybe it was genetic manipulation that did all of this, and that it's this tumor that's giving 
Jonas the ability to see into the future. Fraser's like, well, maybe, but still he's going to die without surgery. So how about surgery? <laughs> Jonas is like, but what if it stops growing? And Fraser's just continuing to be adamant that, no, you need surgery. You need that surgery. Hammond agrees, though, to give Jonas 24 hours instead of the 48 hours that Jonas asks for to postpone that surgery to see if it stabilizes and to see if Jonas can get any better control on his abilities because Jonas is pretty sure that those abilities can come in pretty handy if he figures out how to harness them and control them a bit better. In the meantime, the rest of SG-1 as well as SG-15 are going to go back to the planet and see what their best chances are of freeing the people there and figure out if they can make a plan of action for how they're going to go about doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the infirmary again, Fraser's doing more tests on Jonas, checking his blood pressure, asking about his headaches. She asks him why he's resisting this surgery that will save his life. And he's like, well, even with limited abilities, my visions could be invaluable to our work. She says, you think you have to keep proving yourself, don't you? And again, I thought he's about to be written off the show. So, of course, yes. Yeah. I don't know exactly when he leaves. I can't remember. But I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we're nearing the end of this season. Pretty sure Daniel comes. Spoiler. Daniel comes yeah. back next season as a regular again, I think. Uh, I think so. Early in the season. Writing's on the wall. Anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> Frazier turns back to Jonas, who is just sitting there staring. He is having another vision. And it is of... Sam being injured with a shallow respiration and weak pulse. And she's in V-fib. So that's not good. No. Very not good. Jonas comes out of his uh, vision. There we go. (laughs) And he jumps off the bed and runs out of the infirmary with Fraser chasing after him. And he runs into the gate room and tells SG three quarters that they need to stop and scrub the mission and not go to the planet because Sam's going to get hurt. Hammond calls down from the control room asking what's going on down there. And then we are in the briefing room and Jonas is telling them all about the vision that he had. Basically, everyone is like, yeah, but people get hurt all the time. So to say that we shouldn't go on this mission just because Sam might get hurt could be a bit of an overreaction. (laughs) The compromise that they come to, though, is that SG half, Jack and Teal'c, are going to continue on to the planet, I guess still probably with SG-15. But Sam, who is quite put out at this decision, is going to stay behind in the SGC. Jack and Teal'c go back to the planet with Major Pierce and SG-15. They have not seen any Jafai yet. Ellery's like, of course, Mott's not due back for a few days. It's cool. And are you going to help us? And Jack's like, are you sure? And he's like, well, the prophecy said you will. But Jack's like, but what about your people? Do they want us to do this? A valid question. (laughs) Ellery then tells Jack about how last winter people got sick and they couldn't mine as much Nakwada. And when Ma arrived, he executed a bunch of the sick people, including his daughter's husband. So they're pretty upset with Ma. So maybe, maybe it's time for them to overthrow him. So does this planet have a bunch of Nakwada on it or not? Because initially they're talking about how Ball abandoned it because the mine ran out of Nakwada and yet they're still mining Nakwada. 
I think it was just such a minimal amount, my guess. guess would be, for Ball that it's not yeah. worth it to him to keep an eye on the planet. Fair. That was but my... there's still some. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, you know, it's like when you have to squeeze the toothpaste tube to get that last <laughs> little bit out, but yeah. Ball's like, well, fuck that. I'm just going to open a new tube. Right, but Ball's wasteful, and that's, yeah. you know, just going to contribute to our excessive trash problems. So yeah. try to get the least little bit out that you can, and also saves you some money. It's true. Yeah. Also, fun fact, you can get little toothpaste tablets that are not paste at all and are free of plastic. You can. And I actually have some. I haven't gotten to using them yet because we still have tubes of yeah. toothpaste left from when we had a subscription service. But yeah, we no longer have that subscription. And we'll be switching over to those tablets when we are done with yeah. our regular toothpaste. Yeah. I mean, yep. they're fine. I don't know. Plastic free. They're doing their job yep. so far. I mean, my dentist <laughs> hasn't been like, your teeth are falling out of your face. So, <laughs> so far, so good. I That's good. do get ones that do have fluoride in them. So. That's probably good. Yeah. Anyway... While this conversation is happening, we also see that Chazin is going to betray them all. He has a small communication sphere from the Gould and is going to talk to Mott about what Ellery is up to. So not everyone's on board. Yeah, apparently not. And the one guy who was objecting is the one who's going to betray them. Shock of shocks. Maybe they should have done something about him. Right. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> who could have seen that coming? <laughs> you know, kept an eye on him at least. <laughs> In Jonas's office, Jonas is sitting around doing Jonas work, looking very sweaty. <laughs> yeah. He's reading some sort of a book on precognition to be specific. And then we get a new announcement over the intercom that we haven't heard before about a medical emergency on level 25. Jonas heads out in the hall. A medic prances by because he's definitely not running. I could really only describe what he was doing as prancing <laughs> oddly slowly, kind of high stepping it by. He loves with his job. <laughs> his medic bag just dancing his way over to the medical emergency. And not surprisingly, his vision of Sam getting injured has come true. She has, in fact, been injured. She has the same burn mark on her shoulder that Jonas saw in his vision, and she goes into V-fib just like she did in his vision. They do not pull her shirt up high enough before they shock her, but <laughs> they do shock her. And she, her pulse comes back to regular sinus. Then they continue on down the corridor, presumably to the infirmary. In the infirmary, Sam is... In bed, all bandaged up. Jonas comes in to see her. She says she's slightly overcooked, but she'll be fine. Jonas apologizes for telling her not to go because not going is what caused her to have her injury. Sam tells him not to worry about it and don't do this to yourself. He then says... <laughs> He says he's always been hyper-observant and sees details that people miss, patterns, maybe predicting the future is an extension of that ability, and that seems a little uh, <laughs> suspect. That's a bit of a stretch, yeah. Yeah. Sam doesn't agree. She says it doesn't work that way. She then starts talking about physics stuff, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she said, according to Newtonian physics... If you knew the velocity and position of every particle in the universe at any moment, you could predict all of their interactions for the rest of time. 
But then quantum mechanics blows it out of the water. Indeed. Because it is impossible to look at subatomic particles and know both where it is and where it's going to be at the same time. So Jonas concludes he's seeing probable futures. Sam says, maybe. And she says that it doesn't mean, or his visions may not always turn out exactly as he sees. That's it. They're just talking about his issue. (laughs) I don't do physics. (laughs) Or probability. It's not my... I have a general understanding. I had to do some physics in school. I general the general principles she's talking about are in line with my understanding of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle that she mentions and Newtonian physics. That's okay. about as much as I know about them. I have a general understanding of them, but that's all. Sounds right to me and my not very knowledgeableness. Back on the planet, Teal'c, Jack, Pierce, and Ellery are all talking about logistics of the supposed upcoming visit of Mott, who does not normally come through the Stargate, but by ship instead. And Ellery shows them on a map where he normally lands. He'll probably have about eight to 10 Jaffa with him because he's likely not going to be anticipating any resistance, according to Teal'c. So that's not really a whole lot of Jaffa to have on hand. They're going to check the area out tomorrow. Chasen comes bursting in and starts yelling at Ellery that the outsiders have led him astray, but he's taken care of all of it. He's warned Mott, and Mott is on his way early, ahead of schedule. And then Chasen throws a light grenade at them. Yay. Yay. Who would have expected that betrayal? In the SGC... Dr. Frazier goes to see Jonas to go over his test results, but unfortunately, Jonas is already catatonic on the floor with a bloody nose and his eyes open. So she needs a medical team to take care of that. That seems bad. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the planet, SG half and SG 15 are in prison. Lord Mott comes to gloat as the gold do. He's not a very imposing figure. No, and Jack does not treat him as an imposing figure no. figure at all. He's uh, very smart-mouthed, as he is often with the gold. He tells Mott that Mr. Mott, he calls yeah, him. I was about to say, I like that he calls him Mr. Mott. <laughs> he tells Mr. Mott that if they don't report back in a certain amount of time, they're going to rat Mott out to ball. Mott finds this unlikely. Because you're here to protect the people of this planet, and if Ball comes back, things will go badly for them. Yeah. Teal'c then tells him that Ball serves Anubis and killing him will cause him problems, but Mott's like, no, well, maybe if you give me your GDO code and then open the Stargate and then I destroy Earth, Anubis will be real happy. So, you know, maybe you'll give me that code. The GDO that he holds up looks like a TV remote. But the last time that we saw one, it was the last couple times we've seen them. They've been devices you wear on your wrist. So since when do they look more like a remote? Maybe uh, they're slowly replacing old tech with new tech. And like, you know, the higher ranked SG members, SG1 through 10, maybe have gotten their new ones. But 15 hasn't gotten theirs yet. I don't know. But it seems way less convenient to have one that you have to carry around in a pocket and then and then can easily lose, as somebody apparently did with this one. 
Although I guess he has them in prison, so he could have just taken off. Yeah, those, but and I think they've had those before. Like, they have, yeah. but then they w- they switch to the wrist ones. But that's what I'm saying. Fifteen, they're not high enough rank to get the new uh, new tech yet. I don't. know. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, there's yeah, a maybe there's right. an SG hierarchy, and yeah, they're on the low end. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Teal'c is like, we're not gonna tell you shit, and Mott's like, well, eventually you totally will. But first, I need to go torture my villagers who have been naughty. Jack says that maybe don't do that because they didn't have anything to do with this. And Mott's like, well, maybe I'll be nicer to them if you give me what I want. And I'll let you think about that for a minute while I go be evil somewhere else. Then back on Earth in the infirmary, they are prepping Jonas for surgery. Just then, Jonas has another vision. In the control room, Walter tells Hammond that they're receiving an IDC signal and it's SG-15. They open the gate and then nobody comes through. But then there's a whole bunch of staff blasts coming through the gate instead of people. It somehow breaks the control room window, which I thought was supposed to be bulletproof. Yeah. And manages to hit Hammond because he got shot in the face and is also full of glass now. There's all kinds of alarms. There's a light grenade. There's weapons fire going in both directions, and then a bunch of Jaffa come through. The whole firefight ends when a large explosive goes off. Once again, we're seeing a bunch of Jaffa being sacrificed by their goal leader because presumably those Jaffa didn't escape before the explosion went off. We didn't see that anyway. No. No, because the gate is already closed and not going the other way. Not going to reopen the other way. (laughs) So a bunch of Jaffa and also all of SGC and who knows how much of Colorado blow up when this device explodes. Jonas is adamant that he needs to talk to Hammond right now before they put him under. Hammond and Sam join them in the infirmary. Jonas relates his vision they are like we should warn sg-15 but jonas is like what if sending them the warning causes it to happen like before sam's like you can't predict the future like this it's not predetermined the best thing we can do is just do what we always do jonas though thinks that maybe he can find out how the jaffa get the iris code and get some more information about what's going to happen, even though until this point, he's had no control over what he's seeing. He says he just hasn't been trying hard enough. And please give him a little more time before you send him off to surgery to save his life. Back on the planet, SG half and SG 15 are all in prison cells. Ellery's daughter comes in with some drinks for the guards. Jack pretends to not know her and says, excuse me, miss, and then asks if he can have a little bit of that. But she gives him a very serious look and then slightly shakes her head no at him, which I thought basically just meant that he was going to get in trouble for even asking for that. But then next thing we know, yeah, but no, that's actually not the case. What actually is the case is that she has poisoned the drinks that she's given to the guards. And next thing we know, they're unconscious. She says they're just sleeping. They're not actually dead. But she grabs their keys and lets all of the SG people free. And she also managed to retrieve the GDO from wherever it was. (laughs) So that's convenient. She gives it back to Pierce. And 
lets them know that her father is being held in the village and that Mott's going to make an example of him and they need to go and help her dad. And also, though, maybe first escape the prison and then go help her dad. (laughs) So she, Natanya, the name of the Ellery's daughter, shows them the way out. In the infirmary, Jonas has gone uh, Kelnorimish. He's got some candles lit because it works for Teal'c. Yeah, but he doesn't have nearly enough candles, though, so maybe that's why it doesn't work as well as maybe. he wanted. Yeah, I mean, he's got Teal'c's, you know, travel kit. He doesn't have the hours yeah. to set up all the candles. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He must have borrowed the travel kit. There's only, like, five candles or so. He just kind of stares at the candles and sits down, and then he has another vision. And conveniently, it is about what's going on, which is... Basically an elaboration of what happens on the other side of the gate before the SGC is exploded. It exploded. It is very convenient that what shows up to him is always like the most dire emergency. Yeah. That is relevant to him in the near future. It's never just like walking down a hall and saying hi to whoever he passes by or eating lunch or whatever. Yeah. Like he was before. Yeah. (laughs) So we sh- they show SG-1 and SG-15 opening the gate, putting in the code, and then they're completely ambushed and all killed by the Jaffa, who then proceed through the gate to kill the rest of them. Yeah. Jonas is like, I need to go to the control room. Do you, though? Yeah. <laughs> what if someone from the control room just came down to you? Right. <laughs> And as happens, he collapses. So yeah. he can't actually go to the control room right now. Dr. Frazier says they need to get him into surgery immediately. On the planet, Natanya is guiding everybody through the woods, trying to get them to the Chapa Eye. I guess she's not taking them back to get her dad. She's sending them back to the SGC in hopes that they're going to get back up to then save her dad, I guess is the plan, which I thought was a little unclear at first, but that seems Mm. to be the case now. In the SGC, they're wheeling Jonas down the hall presumably to the infirmary sam comes running up though and jonas as they're wheeling him to the infirmary manages to get the message across to sam about what he saw she runs up to the control room and shares that with hammond and hammond tells walter to dial the planet and the gate starts dialing but it's unclear who dialed first Mm. elsewhere Jonas is uh, unclear about what's going on, having issues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Basically, they're taking Jonas into surgery. He yeah. wants to know what's going on, but Dr. Fraser's like, it's not your problem. Yep. Time to go to sleep and have your brain cut. Yes. Message passed on. Let other people worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else you can do, buddy. Yep. <laughs> on the planet, it seems that the SGC got through their dialing and Hammond is radioing to the teams on the planet hoping that they will hear his warning unfortunately none of them have their radios Chazen has their radios and he hears that there are Jaffa awaiting their presence at the Stargate so watch out for that ambush the message they don't get because of Chazen he hears the message and then tells his Buddy to go check on the prisoners because he doesn't know that they've escaped and that's not good. You would think that Hammond would wait for an answer back 
from somebody to make sure that like maybe they were hiding, maybe they were trying to be really quiet and yeah. Hammond is like giving away their position or something. Or maybe exactly like what happens here, he didn't necessarily give away information, but he did make Chazen suspicious and yeah. so got them in trouble by talking about their escape. Yeah. Back on Earth, they're talking about, oh, they might be out of range or they can't respond and they can't get in touch with the MALP, so they really can't do anything else. SG-3 is ready to go, but Hammond's not willing to send them through without knowing more about what's going on, so they're going to hope that they got the message. That's fair. On the planet, it is looking very much like Jonas's vision. A hand brushes some long grass and there's people walking towards the gate. In the village, there's a warning that the prisoners have escaped and alarms go up. At the gate, they dial out and the wormhole forms. And then instead of running through it because they're all trying to escape, they just stand there and look around for a bit. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You are trying to escape. You are in danger. The gate is open and you're all just standing there looking around rather than running through. Why? Made no sense. But then a Jaffa bugle sounds, which also made no sense because good job Jaffa warning them that they're about to be attacked. Yeah. And then there's a firefight. It was really stupid and annoying. Yeah. I also don't understand. In the vision, there were a ton of Jaffa at the gate. Yeah. Like, even with warning, I feel like this firefight wouldn't have gone well for the SG teams. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But it doesn't seem like there are nearly as many Jaffa in the actual scenario. Yeah. So the firefight begins as it did in the vision, but it doesn't progress in the same way, clearly, because, again, there are way fewer. They're, they're fighting way fewer people, so they have a better chance. Yeah. In the village, Mott asks Chazen, who gave the alarm, who sounded the alarm, and Chazen said that he did because the prisoners escaped. And Mott's like, nah, it's fine. I've got the Jaffa waiting at the gate. There's no way they're going to get through. And Chazen's like, oh, phew. Okay, well, then you'll forgive me for my mistake? And Mott's like, um, no. (laughs) (laughs) And Mott uses his sparkle bling on Chazen's face. Then all of a sudden, Natanya is there, and she's got a pistol, and where did she learn how to shoot? Because she does have proper hand and body position. She's bracing for kickback, so she learned how to shoot an earth gun from somewhere. Ooh, crunchy roll, my favorite, or one of my favorites. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs> And then a crunchy roll came in. <laughs> and the crunchy roll was what turned it all around and everybody was fine. Yeah. It also knows how to shoot a pistol. It does. Yeah. So she shoots Mott. I think, did she shoot Chazen too? I don't know. Chazen's dead anyway. Whether it was Mott that killed her yeah. or Natanya, I don't know. But she shoots Mott and Mott dies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good job, Natanya. In the end, they saved themselves. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. Although we're at the gate, things aren't quite fixed yet no we don't know what's happening at the gate yet because then we're in the operating room yes where they are 
doing things. They have a whole tray of scissors. Is it normal to have that many scissors in a surgery? I don't know. There were I have no idea. Yeah, I am not a surgeon. I don't have the slightest idea. <laughs> it just felt excessive, but again, I, I wouldn't don't... think so, but I again, I don't know. I would think a scalpel and definitely some I don't know how you would even get through the skull with a drill or bone I don't know. I don't know. Not a neurosurgeon. No idea. (laughs) Anyway, this Dr. Van Densen is doing the surgery. She finds some kind of thing. (laughs) Astrocytes are a type of glial cell, and astrocytoma would be a cancer of astrocytes. Okay. A glial cell is a a cell that is... Like helps neurons, by the way, just in case. Okay. I've realized, oh, yeah, probably people don't know what glial cells are. No, no. <laughs> yeah. They're supportive cells. They have a bunch of different roles, but they Dr. support the neurons yeah. in the brain. Yeah. She calls that unusual if the tissue isn't malignant. Dr. Fraser's like, that wasn't on the MRI. Must be new. Yeah. For the record, glial cells are the only type of cells that can become cancerous, though, because neurons don't perform mitosis, so they cannot become cancerous. Oh. Glial cells can do mitosis and then can become cancerous. That is what brain cancer is. Okay. Not always necessarily astrocytes, but it could be some other glial cell. They continue surging. Yeah. On Jonas. (laughs) I did notice that the doctor said something about getting the reticular infiltrates, and that I had no idea what it was, so I searched for that. Yeah. And... The only reference I could find on the internet to reticular infiltration was actually pertaining to opaque formations in the lungs that would show up as like a a white patch on a chest x-ray that indicates some damaged tissue. So I still have no idea what they're talking about with reticular infiltrates in this particular case. Okay. Because I couldn't find anything pertaining to brain surgery that that could mean. Not that it's not a thing. It's just a thing I was not able to find with my rudimentary search on google maybe she's like weird he's got lungs in his brain (laughs) maybe that's the problem yeah he's got a lung in his brain (laughs) that that seems bad yeah Yeah. (laughs) no wonder he's having so many issues yeah so we get another you know supposedly i guess should be tense scenes of jonas being surgeoned where he's hemorrhaging and need more suction and i was like this doesn't feel that What's the word I'm looking for? Dire? Intense? I don't know. Yeah. They say his blood pressure is 80 over 60 and his heart rate is 160. Those are both very bad. Yeah. It just didn't feel that bad. I don't yeah, know. That's fair. Anyway. So they're they're doing all the surgery, but then they find they've got it and they're like, okay, his blood pressure's better and his heart rate is stabilizing so we can finish the surgery and everything will be fine. The end. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't, I mean, I guess they figure they already have so much going on that they didn't so need to going on. do a whole lot with making the surgery more touch and go because True. it was, yeah, it was a relatively easy-ish surgery. You'd think a brain surgery they would make more dramatic than they actually did. Yeah, I mean. I see what you're saying. It's SG-1. It's not ER. I got it. True. True. Meanwhile, down by the gate room and the control room area, there's a whole bunch of people running around. They've got big riot shields on and all kinds of weapons lined up. There's all kinds of people down in the gate room. How that's supposed to help if there's going to actually be an explosion that destroys the entire mountain, I don't know. But at least they're doing something to try to prepare. (laughs) In the control room, they don't have the blast shield down, which seemed kind of stupid to me, but... (laughs) whatever they were already told that the glass breaks and hammond dies from shrapnel but you know maybe leave the blast shield up so he can see his death coming 
Walter says he's getting the signal from SG-15. Hammond tries to radio to them, and there is no answer, of course. They debate whether or not to open the iris, because if it is really SG-15 and things are not going like they were going in Jonas's vision, SG-15 might try to come through and get splatted, along with Jack and Tilk, and that would be terrible. But then, of course, if it is like in Jonas's vision, then they're all going to die, and who knows how much of Colorado, as we said, will blow up with them. So they really don't know what to do for a second. But Hammond's like, you know what? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. The future can't be predicted, even though this is pretty similar. Open the iris. And Walter does. There is a pause. And then Jack comes through. Woo! He says he's got a wounded man. And the rest of SG-1 being Tilk <laughs> and SG-15 also come through. There's medics coming up to help everybody who's wounded. And, of course, everyone in the control room is very relieved. (laughs) Jack requests permission to return to the planet with SG-3 and SG-10 to, I guess, go save Ellery, who may not even need saving now that Mr. Mott is dead. But in any case, Hammond gives him permission. And then Jack looks around and realizes how many armed personnel there are in there. And he's like, um... Were you expecting someone else? Jonas is in the infirmary recovering from his surgery. He has a book in his hand. And at first I thought he was just reading the title page, but it actually it looks like it's a book of poetry and there might be two poems on each page. Nice. My great grandmother wrote several books of poetry and they were actually published. That's awesome. And I've read only her books of poetry. I, I should read more. I should read more poetry. Other people's poetry. I mean... Yeah. Poetry done. hurts my brain sometimes. You know? I'm like, I can't <laughs> deal with this. I need, like, straight words. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But very fair. Lots of things break my brain, so. Yeah. My brain is feeling very broken at the moment, so <laughs> my you're in too. good company. <laughs> the rest of the team comes in to check on him. He says he's doing okay, except he's tired of staring at the walls and Dr. Fraser's weird x-ray art. and it's just kind of a wrap-up of what's going on like sam says that she has read the post-op analysis and the tumor was similar to ordinary brain tissue but the neurons were five times more densely packed okay (laughs) that's that does not sound like a thing to me but sure (laughs) sure sci-fi alien technology yeah jonas says this had to be near t doesn't happen naturally That sounds about right. It sure does not. (laughs) He reports that he is no longer having any visions to Jack's disappointment, so he will not be getting lottery numbers or having a trip to Vegas with Jonas where they win big. The rest of the team reports that the things on the alien planet are going well. There's going to be a celebration in their honor for their help in getting rid of Mott. I still want applesauce. Mmm, yes. Going to Costco tomorrow. Buy some applesauce. Yum. Dr. Frazier then kicks everybody out except for Sam because he needs rest. Jonas seems confused that Jack was being nice to him and wanted to hang out with him. (laughs) Also, I was just about to ask, why is Sam the only one that's allowed to stay? Why is Sam even allowed to stay at all if he needs rest? Yeah, I don't know. That was strange. Yeah. 
So now apparently Sam says he's warmed up to Jonas eventually. And let's see. Jonas then thinks about this situation he's just been through. And he's like, well, you know, we can't seem to predict the future even when we have visions. But then we also fulfilled an ancient prophecy from a thousand years ago that predicted it would happen. Sam says maybe it was just a lucky guess. And that's the end of this episode. Yeah, it was so weird. <sighs> Such a, it just seemed yeah. like a weird ending to me to be like, just a just a guess. Not not actual future prediction. Yeah. That we just happened to be there exactly as their prophecy said. Okay, sure. Of course. Yeah. So that's how things just, go. Just weird. Yeah. So yeah, that's the end of that. It was. Did you like the episode? It was fine. I enjoyed it. I don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was interest. It was, uh, excuse me. Oh my God. It kept my interest. I, I think I mentioned earlier that like they tried to like really dramatize like Jonas's, you know, Jonas's health being like in real danger, and it just yeah. didn't work for me. But other than that, like it was fine. It was exciting at points, and I don't know. I don't know. It's weird because I don't know how much I like trying to like predict the future type situations as much as I like time travel, which is kind of weird because I feel like they're Fair. sort of in the same sphere of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, so it, I mean, it was fine. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, like you said, it was fine. But I'm finding myself almost disappointed that the the actual timeline ended up being different from what Jonas saw. I mean, like, obviously, I didn't want the Jaffa to come in and, like, blow up the SGC. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. But um, what I'm saying is, like, just the fact that things happened to play out differently from what Jonas saw. Everything else played out exactly as he saw it. Yeah. But then this one thing for no apparent reason didn't play out as he saw it. And I kind of wanted there to be a reason why. Yeah. Other than just that he just happened to this one time not see the future. I guess I just wanted a better explanation for how <laughs> how that power worked, why he had that power. Yeah. Why the future he saw didn't come true when everything else did <laughs> other than just, I guess, luck. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, just like the ancient people were lucky predicting this whole thing. So, yeah, I, I think it was an interesting episode. I enjoyed it, but it ha- had an unsatisfying ending for me, I think, is really what it boils down to. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah. 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 But, you know, glad Jonas is okay in the end. Yes. We'll see how but if that's you... the only thing, like when Nirti was talking about how he's gotten so different from humans in the past thousand years like if this is the only other reference we're going to get to that and it's not anything that's actually special aside from like (laughs) this one episode where they kind of tried to make him special but then not really because they did surgery to undo it i I would find that to be also really anticlimactic to her hint that he's going to end up being really special because of his genetic diversion from earth humans too so that's also disappointing yeah i mean it could just be a red herring they could just be saving it up could be but i kind of doubt it just like communism in clue just a red herring (laughs) yes you're a communist no mr green communism is just a red herring like all members of the oldest profession i'm a capitalist 
So what are we going to talk about next? We are going to talk about the last episode of season six. Oh my goodness. Right? Which is episode 22, Full Circle. Daniel Jackson. <laughs> hey, who would have thought he'd be back Welcome again? back. <laughs> Daniel Jackson appears to O'Neill and alerts him that Anubis has located the Eye of Ra, a fabled object of power hidden somewhere on Abydos. Oh, I don't remember going back there again, but okay. Oh, back to Abydos. Yeah. With Daniel's help, I thought Daniel couldn't help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> he's already helping he already helped people i mean i know but now he's gonna be blatantly helping i guess <laughs> with daniel's help whether he gets in trouble for it or not i guess we'll find out jack and sg1 find the eye first but determined to have it anubis threatens to destroy the entire planet unless daniel and sg1 hand it over which planet abydos or earth or both I- I feel like Abydos, but... That's ambiguous, but yeah, who knows? probably Abydos. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's see if the TVDB has anything different to say. I feel like it's not as interesting as the Netflix descriptions we used to get, but still yeah. there's sometimes a yeah. different take. SG-1 is called to defend the people of Abydos from the Gold once again when they learn that Anubis, in search of a powerful device, is about to attack. Hmm. No mention about Daniel Jackson in that one. Hmm. They like to hold back those spoilers. They like to be less spoilery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Daniel Jackson back again so <laughs> soon after he last was here. Yes, he is. Uh, I guess we will find out if he's here to stay this time. <laughs> I think. I think he is. I think so, too. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe to this podcast if you have not in places you can. Please remember to leave us reviews. We appreciate any kind words you could say about us anywhere you can. If you would like to be in touch with us, you can reach us by email at stargazing at gmail.com. You can visit our website, stargazing.space, where there's contact form and also... You can leave us voicemails. And if you would like to visit us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Stargazing. And we are also on Mastodon.world. We are also at Stargazing there. Woo! Yes. And if you are feeling generous and would like to help us help support this sh- podcast endeavor. <laughs> there we go. Words are good. Uh, you can visit us at patreon.com slash stargazing. I'm Kathy. I'm Mary. And you have been listening to Stargazing. The end. The end. And then, of course, in the SGC, Fraser's there wanting to do some preliminary who, uh, saying. Uh, wait, no, hang on. Where was this? It wasn't the infirmity. Infirmity. Get that.